This episode is sponsored by the Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talking Podcast. Hey Elvis fans, we have the perfect podcast for you. The Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talkin' Podcast was created by two lifelong best friends and Elvis fans. Get all shook up with this podcast. I listen to it while driving around in my Cadillac. Check out the Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talkin' Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the perfect podcast for all Elvis fans. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you very much. The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast in it we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed viewer discretion is advised Welcome to the Midwest Crime Files. I'm your host, Gina. And I'm Chris. And we're here to tell you the stories of small towns and the heinous crimes that changed them forever. Happy Easter, even though this is on Wednesday after Easter, we're recording it on Easter, so there you go. Yes, and um, this is episode five, so we're one quarter of the way through season six. Is this episode five already? It is. Wow. Um, and this story, I am going to start this off by telling you that I was disappointed with the amount of information that I could find. Okay. And so it's not the longest story, and I'm sure that I'm missing pieces of it. Um, so, you know, I'm fully expecting, you know, to get an email or two that says, you know, well, you didn't tell the whole story. You're right. probably right. And um, if, you ha- if you have that kind of information, tell us, and maybe we can do an addendum to the story. Like... That's what we love about our listeners and stuff like that. Not only do you guys give us the ideas for some of these stories, but you guys give us the like behind the scenes details right. of, of some of the stories too. That, you know, yeah, you're right. On a lot of these stories, because there are from small towns in the Midwest that really nobody ever hears about, not a lot of people hear about it or report on it, you know? Well, I will tell you the best place for me to find research is either through newspaper articles or usually where I get the most details, if I have very specific information, it's from appeals and court records. And that's where I get the most information. So right. so don't be afraid to, if you have stuff. If I got something wrong, tell me. Yeah, just don't be an ass about it. <laughs> you know, like that's all we ask is that if you're if you want us to tell a different part of the story or have more, let us know. Tell us on Facebook. Tell us on the website. But be civil about it. We can all have these conversations and be civil. I don't need you guys coming at us like you're Kung Fu and trying to attack us in the dark and (laughs) kind of stuff, you know, with the grammar police right behind. Right. But anyway, point being, not a lot of information. Um, What I have is very limited and that's always disappointing to me because I want to know all the details. Like I want to know who their grandma's mother's cousin's uncle was. Like I want to know everything. So... Um, but that being said, it leads a little bit of mystery as to what actually happened. And when I get into it, you'll understand why there wasn't a whole lot of information. But anyway, this week's story is what happened to Ashley Miller. Late on the evening of May 28th, 2007, 25-year-old Ashley Miller was brought into the Harrisburg Medical Center Emergency Department in Southern Illinois with a head injury. She was not conscious. 
accompany the young woman was her boyfriend and her brother who said they found her lying on the side of the road in Carrier Mills. Ashley Nicole Miller was suffering from a devastating head injury that required her to be airlifted to Deaconess Hospital in Evansville, Indiana. On June 6th, just about a week later, Ashley passed away from her injuries at the hospital in Evansville. So the question is, what happened to Ashley? Ashley Nicole Miller was born June 13, 1981, to Mark Miller and Kim Lieberman of Harrisburg, Illinois. She grew up with four brothers and a sister, and in her early 20s, she started a relationship with a man named Arnulfo. Arnulfo. And he, Arnulfo. And he went by Arnold Fonseca, a man who was 10 years her senior um, and as it would turn out, a registered sex offender. Arnold was born December 1st, 1971. The two welcomed a daughter about two years before Ashley's death. Um, So I couldn't find an exact date, but somewhere around 2005 is when their baby was born. According to Judici, which for those of you who don't know or aren't in Illinois, it's a database of criminal cases from several counties in Illinois, um, most of the counties participate except like Chicago and then I think like St. Clair County and stuff like that. Well, because they have like the major crimes in Illinois. Right. So, well, there's some major ones on Judici though. Yeah. Um, so I use Judici for some of my research because I really couldn't find a whole lot. Um, and it showed that Arnold had a significant history of criminal behavior, including a history of drug charges, racketeering charges, domestic battery and driving under the influence of alcohol. And as I said, he was also a registered sex offender, which what I can find was he was 21 and his victim was 16. It doesn't tell me any other information. That's all I know. Right. Um, In the years leading up to Ashley's death, there were also charges filed against her for domestic battery. And there was a couple alcohol related things on there as well. Ashley had filed for a restraining order against Arnold in early 2005. The evidence suggests that the two had a pretty tumultuous relationship, and it seems like maybe there was some at least alcohol, maybe drug and alcohol abuse from one or both of them, and apparently some domestic violence. It looks like they were both charged with domestic violence on multiple occasions throughout their relationship. On the night that Ashley was hurt, May 28, 2007, Arnold and Ashley's brother brought her into the emergency room after they said they found her lying on the side of the road. According to an article in the Southern Illinoisan, Arnold and Ashley's brother Caleb Miller claimed that Ashley's injuries were the result of unnamed minorities. Okay. I know. I I guess that's that's, interesting. That's the weirdest way that I've ever heard that put. Right. But this story was found to be false. Fonseca also told authorities that Ashley had called him and told him that she was about to jump out of a moving vehicle. Finally, he said that he was with Ashley when she got hurt. They were driving in his car or his truck to Carrier Mills to purchase cocaine when Ashley either fell or jumped from his truck. Because that seems plausible. Right. So here's the thing. 
He goes on to explain that he lied before because he was driving under the influence of alcohol. And at the time of this occurrence, he did not have a valid driver's license. So that's why he said he made up the story about these unnamed minorities and, you know, her calling from someone else's vehicle saying she's going to jump out and, you know, just trying to come up with a bunch of BS. At that point, Saline County authorities arrested Arnold and charged him with aggravated DUI, aggravated driving with a revoked license, obstructing justice, and leaving the scene of an accident. Caleb Miller, her brother, was also charged with obstruction of justice. But there were so many questions, and the emergency room doctors and police were skeptical that Ashley had fallen or jumped from a moving vehicle. Yeah, because let's be honest, you're going to get more than just a bump on the head if you jump out of a a moving vehicle even if it's only at five ten miles an hour you trip and stumble it's good you're going to get road rash and stuff like that and i know you said that there wasn't a lot of information on that case but i'd be like okay guys if she really fell out hard and like and fell and hit to where she hit her head there's going to be road rash and cuts and scrapes and all sorts of other crap wrong so we'll get into more of that um, but yeah, I mean, that was my first thought too, that that seemed just kind of like a dumb thing to try to, you know, justify something. And apparently the police thought that too, because by July of 2007, Saline County officials charged Arnold with first degree murder, alleging he struck Ashley in the head, causing her death. So police determined that Ashley and Arnold had been on a date on the night of May 28th, 2007. They had been seen leaving the Centerfield Bar and Grill in Harrisburg around 9.30. At that time, Ashley was fully clothed. Earlier that day, the two had attended a pool party and been, had been drinking for most of the day. By 10.30 p.m., Ashley had been admitted to the emergency room with a massive head injury, and she was wearing only a bikini. So an hour after she was leaving the bar. Police believe that the two had an argument in which Arnold struck Ashley, causing her head injury and ultimately her death. In an attempt to cover up the incident, authorities theorized that Arnold made up numerous lies to avoid being charged with domestic violence and eventually murder. And so they bring him to trial. The murder trial against Arnold Fonseca began in April of 2008. The police presented his history of domestic violence and the history between Arnold and Ashley. Additionally, they presented evidence from the treating physician in the emergency department in Harrisburg, the ICU physician at Deaconess Hospital in Evansville, and the medical examiner who performed Ashley's autopsy. The physicians believe that the story told by Arnold was not consistent with the injuries that Ashley sustained. The prosecution also presented the jury with the multiple stories that Arnold gave to police to try to explain away Ashley's injuries. The prosecution was able to paint Arnold as a liar and a domestic abuser. So this is where it gets interesting. The defense had their own star witness. And this is one that if you follow True Crime or our podcast, even in particular, you should have known this name. It was neuropathologist Dr. Mary Case. 
Dr. Mary Case has had a distinguished career as a pathologist and medical examiner in the St. Louis County and St. Charles counties of Missouri. She was involved in several high-profile cases, including the Paula Sims case, because remember, they found her second daughter in Missouri. Right. And she was the doctor that was able to explain all that and, you know, that the baby had been put in a freezer for a while and all that kind of stuff. She, so she's like highly regarded. So this is a good expert witness. And she testified that in her expert opinion, Ashley died from blunt force trauma to the head. She further explained that she believed this trauma was caused by her head falling to the ground from a rather low height, such as a car. Dr. Case said it was unlikely that Ashley's head was in a stationary position when the injuries occurred. So she's saying it do, it's very unlikely that she was like sitting still or laying down and got hit in the head with a hammer or a fist or something like that. So Dr. Case goes on to explain that Ashley's head had several abrasions contusions and lacerations that were not consistent with being beaten with an object such as a fist or a baseball bat she's saying that they were more like road rash okay interesting right right so dr case felt that the defendant's story that ashley fell or jumped from a vehicle was consistent with her injuries Furthermore, she testified that Ashley's blood alcohol level was 0.265, far above the 0.08 legal limit. Yeah, like a whole bunch more. But still, like. So, are you still thinking the story's completely BS? No, especially when you have Dr. Case. Like, right. Now, I mean, they did have their own medical examiner, right. and two treating physicians that or the one that actually did the autopsy and the doctors that actually treated her. And they're saying the opposite. Right. But I don't know. It's, it's weird because every doctor even says this, you give them all the same information and they'll come up with a hundred different diagnosis and stuff like that. You know? So it's just, God, I don't know. You've got three doctors, including one pathologist, saying, no, she didn't fall from a car. There's no way. She was hit. And then you've got another doctor who's a pathologist that's saying, no, it looks like she fell from a car. She was drunk and probably either fell or jumped. Right. I don't know. This is hard. Right. So was it possible that an intoxicated Ashley and an intoxicated Arnold had a fight in the vehicle that night and maybe Ashley tried to exit the moving vehicle? I mean, she wouldn't be the first drunk person to get pissed off and do something really stupid, like jump out of a moving vehicle. I've had people before be like, let me out of this damn car. I swear to God, I'm going to get out. And then they start opening the door. Right. So it's not beyond plausible reality and then the other thing was you know maybe an alcohol fueled fight caused arnold to hit ashley that night i mean that's plausible as well and since we since we don't know exactly what she was hit with it's kind of hard to rule that out right and if we're gonna go by the whole he still pushed her or something like yeah she might have been in a moving vehicle and he pushed her 
I mean, that's possible too. How are you going to fucking prove that? How do we know if she jumped or got out on her own or got out accidentally? Right. Or did he open the door and say, get the out and right. push her right into the I love the how you just censored yourself on our podcast. I know. Isn't that funny? Um, you know, so what happened to Ashley? And because there's, because of what I'm about to tell you, there's not a lot of information because there was never an appeal necessary because the day after Dr. Mary Case testified on April 9th, 2008, the Saline County jury acquitted Arnold Fonseca of the first degree murder charges against him. So there, and let's be tr- honest here. Acquitting someone saying not guilty doesn't really mean that you don't believe they're guilty, but there's a reasonable doubt. And right. But this is where based off the information that I have, I was not in the courtroom. There may have been a lot more evidence that the prosecution presented that are just not known. Right. There's no I I can't get the record of. But based off the information I have, there was definitely a reasonable doubt. I still think he probably did something. But so when they acquit him, that's basically saying you didn't do this, right? Right. And or so there's reasonable doubt that you didn't. So that puts double jeopardy on the table now, right? Correct. He can never be charged for the first degree murder again. Correct. Okay. Um, a lot of people, of course, were very upset about this. The state felt they had proven their case, even though it was mostly circumstantial. Ashley's family was obviously very disappointed, and I, I understand that completely. I mean, just because the information I have tells me there was reasonable doubt doesn't make that any easier for the family at all. And it doesn't mean he's not guilty. So, of course, they're fighting back tears as they're leaving the courtroom while the defense is celebrating. Because, you know, he was found not guilty and it was over. Double jeopardy was attached. So, you know, they said the jury made the right decision. What do you think? I would have to agree. Like based off the information I have. Yeah, there is enough. There is enough there to be like, I don't know. And I'm sorry. We all know if you've listened to this podcast the whole time that we've been doing it, we all know that I am a very, you have to prove it. Right. Like if you can't give me a point, like a smoking gun or a weapon or something that says that this was murder, I'm sorry. Like, yes, I can read, I can listen to circumstantial evidence and make my decision by that sometimes. But God, in this one, I can't. I I mean, they had a history of domestic violence. Would it shock me? to know no. that he had done it no but can you can you tell me but can you honestly say like nope this is exi- you can't you can't be like this is the course of events that happened from that day to you know from the beginning of that day to the time that she was there to the time that we got her in the er like right. there is and i kind of like as much as i I hate to say it, I kind of believe him when he says, oh, no, I lied because I was drunk at the time. And I didn't want a DUI. Which, I'm- which it's kind of weird, too, because I was thinking about that. Like, I understand, obviously, his car didn't show signs of being in an accident. But it almost makes me wonder, too, if, like, they were doing something stupid. And right. I, I just don't know. I mean, there's just, there's so many different possibilities because this is a weird, a weird one. It's very strange. Like, and like I said, 
yes, they had three people that said, no, she was hit. Okay, can you tell me, like, we can tell what people were hit by, like, right. with, with blunt trauma to the head. You can normally, and I hate to say it, but you can, the forensic people can be like, oh, no, this was like a claw hammer or a hammer or a bat, you know, because there's certain ways that bones and tissue deform and become bruised when right. they're applied. Or if they had found something, an injury on yeah. him or... and. If, Some kind if of the, uh, any of that exists and was presented at trial, there was no record of it that right, I could find. And, right. But right now we're going off of what, we, what have. we have. And I have to say no. Like, I I would be like, that's not enough for me to put a man away for life. Do I think that something nefarious happened? Possibly. Possibly. With but, the fact that her brother also lied makes me think... Maybe his story about like going to get cocaine. Maybe they were high on cocaine. Right. I I don't know. Like I feel like there's, there's more to it. Right. But we're never gonna know what that is. Right. And I think that that's what's missing from this is the whatever's more. Yeah. There's more you know? to this for sure. Um. So here's the th where it gets kind of interesting. So just a few days after his acquittal. Arnold Fonseca was arrested again by the Saline County Police Department. This time, he had to face charges for obstruction of justice, aggravated DUI, and aggravated driving without a valid driver's license. So while these were the original charges against him, but once they charged him with murder, they kind of let the other ones go. So once he was acquitted, they go back to charging him with the DUI, driving without a license, and all of that. And the defense attorney quickly goes to the press and basically says the prosecution has sour grapes because they lost. So they're just going to try to screw my client on charges they weren't that worried about. And now all of a sudden they're going to go back and charge him. And they're basically, he basically said this was a power play. Right. I mean, maybe it was. Maybe it was a like screw you kind of thing. But I'm sorry. He's already admitted to these things. He, I feel like he should be tried for those. Right. I mean, that's just my opinion. Well, and that's the thing. Could it be the prosecution was pissed they lost? Probably, but... Well, and they also... When they acquitted him, did they acquit him of... Like, that's... That's, well, that's the, the problem with when you try to lump all these charges in all together. Mm -hmm. You know, because I'm sure the, like the aggravated... Or, uh, what was it? Aggra aggravated DUI, aggravated driving without a license and all that stuff. I'm sure they were all lumped in with the first degree murder charge. Well, they kind of let the other ones drop with the first degree murder. But yeah, it I, was all for the same incident. Right. So that's what brought up the defense's next objection. Well, they're calling it now double jeopardy and that he's already been charged and acquitted of the murder, which is the same incident. So you can't come in and now charge him again i don't think that's i think you if if they just kind of like let the all the dui stuff go by the wayside mm -hmm. and it was just the murder charge that they were going right. for yeah then this is not double jeopardy anymore what you're trying to go right. for here so like if i charged you with first degree murder and you got acquitted i can't go back and charge you with second degree murder for the same crime but that's where the defense was saying they're talking about the same crime, so it should be attached. But the courts didn't agree. 
In 2010, the 5th District Appellate Court affirmed the lower court's ruling allowing the charges against Arnold Fonseca to proceed. So they said that the charges were distinctly different, and so double jeopardy did not apply. Yes, we're talking about the same night, but him driving and him possibly doing something to hurt her were two completely separate incidents. As well as driving on a revoke license and right. lying about what happened to right. her. So, you know, there the judge in the all the appellate courts upheld that decision, and so he did go to court, and he was found guilty of the aggravated DUI. It looks like the other charges were dropped, and that he was sentenced to six years in the Illinois Department of Corrections. As of 2023, he is a free man, obviously. I mean, you don't stay in that long. Six years, he was probably in for a year, don't you think? Maybe two. Yeah, something like maybe, that. Maybe two. Maybe two. Maybe two. Pop, at the m- most three. Um, her brother, Caleb Miller, was also convicted of obstructing justice. And from what I can tell from judiciary, it looks like he was given a suspended sentence. So basically like parole or uh, probation, basically. Ashley Nicole Miller was buried in Harrisburg. She left behind a daughter who was just a toddler at the time of her death. According to court records, Ashley's mother has raised her daughter since Ashley's death. This case is so disturbing for so many different reasons. For one, we just don't really know what happened to Ashley. There's not good closure. It's still a question. Right. It's just as plausible that... You know, she was drunk and I, I'm going to tell you because I was accused of victim blaming this week, but it's very easy to blame her and be like, oh, she was intoxicated. Her blood alcohol level was like 0.2 something, you know, it's entirely possible that she did something, you know, or they got in a fight and I don't know, maybe she even just fell down, but intoxication does not necessarily mean that Ashley was responsible for her own death. Right. Like, we're not going to victim blame. No. Um, it's a possibility that she was drunk, got upset and made a stupid decision, but it's also as possible that her boyfriend pushed she, her out of the damn car. Right. And she had asked for a restraining order at least once against him. And I believe a lot of these domestic battery charges that, that were filed on each other from what I can tell. Right. You know, they had a tumultuous relationship. It's entirely possible that she said something that pissed him off and he decked her or knocked her into something. Or, I, you know, we just don't know. Right. Or maybe he pushed her from the damn car. I don't know. There was enough reasonable doubt to get his acquittal. But he was held accountable, at least, for his decision to drive drunk and on a revoked license and then lie and you know whatever happened i think it's clear that him driving that night contributed to ashley's death in some way right like i just i'm with like i'm with the jury though like as far as the first degree murder charges there's not enough there to to be for me for me personally to be like yeah he's a hundred percent Right. Now, if they would have, like, put down the charges to, like, manslaughter or something like that. Right. You know, then possibly, yeah, because you did something that directly resulted in her dying. Right. You know, but even that would be a stretch. 
Because how do you prove that he what he did? You know, you can't just because he's driving drunk. I mean, I think the conclusion they all came to, including him, was that at some point she fell out of that moving vehicle. Whether she was pushed out, fell out, jumped out, we don't really know. But let's say we even believe him that she jumped out of it on her own. Well, if he was not driving drunk. Right. If you weren't operating a vehicle under the influence and had your right mind about you, then you probably could have been like, hey, that's probably not something smart to do. Right. So, But th- there's just so many questions and things that weren't answered. And I know that there's probably people close to this, this case that know a lot more. If you don't want to share with us, you certainly do not have to. But if you choose to share with us, we're willing to understand the parts right. of this that we don't know because we have so many questions. <laughs> right. So many questions. that, And yeah, and only people that are associated with the case know the, the answer. Well, and really only... And since he was acquitted, there's nothing, there's no appeals. And like I said, in the appeals is where I get a ton of the information that was presented in right. court. And unfortunately, the only two people that really knew what happened was Ashley and Arnold. Right. Like, and that's all that's ever going to, or in Caleb, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if he was in the car when whatever happened happened or if he came in later whenever. Right. I, that but part, I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't think we're ever going to know the 100% truth. No. No, but it's sad. She was 25. She had a daughter, probably two year old, maybe three year old. Like, that's really, really sad to me. Um, yeah. If you guys want to see the little bit of sources that we have for this right, case. There's not a lot. Or any of the other cases that we go to, you guys can head to the MidwestCrimeFiles.com and look at the blog post for this one. And any, like I said, any of the other stories that we have. Gina keeps a very detailed reference section on each of the blogs for what she uses. And if you guys have information, send us a message on there. Send us a message on there. Send us a message on Facebook. Let us know what we're missing because we know we're missing things in this case because there's just too many yeah. questions, you know, you know, but. And yeah, I mean, we, I would gladly do it like any of our stories, any oh, yeah. of our, if, for any of our stories, if you have any information, like I said, just let us know, be civil about it. Don't call us assholes and dipshits and dumbasses because, oh, you didn't hear, get the whole story straight. Yeah, we're when two, you tell me something that's not a matter of public record. We're two people. We're <laughs> we're two people that do this as a hobby. Well, and, and I have to rely on things that are public right. record. If if they're not public record, and I don't have a family member that responds to me that can fill in blanks and stuff, like I I have to go off what I have. Right. So. You know, in most cases, I feel like I can be pretty thorough. This case, like I said in the beginning, not so thorough because there's not a lot of information out there. And I know that somebody knows more. So if you would like to share with us, like Chris said, you can send us a message on Facebook. You can send us a message right on our website. Help. Message us on Twitter. Email us at MidwestCrimeFiles.com at gmail.com. If you feel really bold, you can spend some money and become a patron and message us on our patron platform too. (laughs) But anyways, guys, like you said, this is one of those cases that we're never going to know the answer to. And unfortunately, that, that sucks. Yep. But 
hang on with us and next week we will bring you an all new story as well as a patreon exclusive episode coming next week as well yep so i guess until then we will talk to you guys later bye